Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. It's Tom Deanhart and myself, Brian, on assignment this weekend uh, uh, in, in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, doing some basketball as well. I want to thank our sponsors, and that's the Union Club Hotel and uh, the 811 Bistro, uh, Victoria w Wicks, and the whole company have done a great job. We've enjoyed our partnership and looking forward, hopefully, to a third year with them here upcoming. But uh, Tom, uh, Never a dull moment this summer. It's been crazy. Uh, obviously, just a whole new, the, the three words, brave new world, uh, seemed to be the storyline about every other week. And even as we record this, uh, it could change, you know, in terms of that. Let's start with the collectives. You obviously talked to Jeff McKean from the Boilermaker Alliance as they are starting to put some things together. Uh, it seems to be a work in progress. But just your sense on, uh, talking to Jeff and what to, you know, what may transpire and what to, they're trying to hope, hopefully trying to get done uh, from their perspective. Well, they're, they're just still setting everything up right now. You know, they launched a website recently. Uh, um, they're not able to take donations just yet over, over the website, but uh, yeah, you know, they, they just want to get in the game and uh, I think they have a, at least a good collection of, uh, of people helping them get everything off the ground with the Boilermaker Alliance. Uh, you know, Jeff's a co-founder. He's a class of 1986. He's from Kokomo, Sigma Chi. He told me, a, I guess, a pledge brother of Jim Everett's. So that's a Sigma Chi fraternity that's produced a lot of luminaries, if you will. Yeah. Jeff loves Purdue, obviously. And, um, yeah, smart guy, a lawyer in the Indianapolis area, and uh, <clears throat> seems like the kind of guy you'd want steering this shit, but everything's still sort of in its infancy. Expect the website, I'm told, to be built out a little more extensively, I think he said in August, and uh, yeah, just exciting times, and again, it's going to be, you know, he told me to really think of it as a, maybe not as a collective, but more of a, as, as, a, as a charitable endeavor, and um yeah, again, uh, a lot of the machinations and I's have to be dotted and T's crossed. But again, it's a it's it's a collective, I think, that can enhance Purdue's effort to stay in this uh, ever expanding and ever moving quickly NIL game that's defining college athletics. Yeah, no question. And I know Jeff, known Jeff over the years and a guy that, like you said, uh, very much of a Purdue guy, very much of a guy that and obviously it's going to take a lot more than that and very much. In, you know, my discussions with them, we get the sense that, you know, we, you know, we being the, the Boilermaker Alliance, it's, there's a lot of moving parts to this. I mean, they spent a lot of time in my, in my discussions and certainly in your interview with them are trying to work with uh, Purdue from a compliance standpoint, making sure that this is done the uh, quote unquote Purdue way, whatever that is, but also uh, trying to find that uh, charity angle, and and that's going to be an interesting storyline. That uh, uh, you know, IU and some others have done done this, and yet uh, I don't know that it's all. It's certainly not all flushed out, and may not be for a little bit of bit of time. Yeah, Jeff wants the bulk of these funds that are donated to go to the student athletes. Yeah, I think he told me he estimated maybe fifteen percent would have to go to administrative fees and whatnot so they're 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 very cognizant of that they they they're not in this to make money obviously they want to be able to enhance Purdue athletics and 
you told me too they're in the process of applying for to be a tax exempt right entity as well that 401c i think with the irs code so uh i don't know all the the actual ways how it works alan <clears throat> um but again um as you said the purdue way <clears throat> i think i think the purdue way is, is being methodical and being meticulous and making sure you have everything buttoned up and like you said they're working with the university don't want to get anybody in any trouble and again, Al, on the, the thing we've seen with these quote unquote collectives, <clears throat> these NILs, is um, they're not really being employed or used as their intent was meant right. to be. We've seen that, you know, liberal application of, applied at some schools like Miami of Florida in particular. It's not supposed to be an inducement to get a player to come to your institution. The NIL mechanisms, the collectives are in place to, uh, you know, enhance or supplement the student athletes uh, experience when they're on campus and Purdue's not going to use this as a means to induce recruits. They're not going to get in bidding wars with guys before they've ever made a commitment to a school. That's, I think, part of the Purdue way as well. So, uh, you know, again, it's um, like everything else in life, Alan, whenever there's, there's change, whenever there's something new, it's exciting as heck, but it's also scary too. And, um, we're seeing all this still develop before our very eyes. And we've talked a lot, seems like in recent months, every week about <laughs> as big of a story as this is, I mean, the landscape of college sports is dotted with what it seems like screaming headlines. I mean, when you talk about conference realignment now becoming a big thing as well, and what we've seen with the transfer portal too, it's just a crazy time in college sports. You know, I think to Jeff, and it's, it does bear the discussion, how in the world, you're right. It, it isn't going to Purdue doesn't want to use it as an inducement, but it's kind of the chicken or the egg. You got to have it. You would think yeah. to yeah. attract guys, you got to have it in place. And, and, you know, this is a, and Jeff obviously is being an Indianapolis area guy. There's a lot, there's always been a big network of the Blitter business exchange down there. There's separate there. You bring in things like the John Purdue club, how all, all this works together with raising money because you got to raise the money from somebody from donors from from boosters all those things really make for a uh make can make your head explode if you're in the college football realm in terms of how this all all comes to pass in the next mm -hmm. period of time and maybe that's just you've been saying this all along and you're really right you got to accept change um and it is what it's going to be and if purdue wants to stay in the game they've got to play in this game and jeff mckean has said that you've said that on down the line there's there's no good to shake your fist at the clouds and wish it was <laughs> 1973 you know as much as i'd like to sometimes down but yeah <laughs> you know you gotta, you gotta move forward some people can't wrap their head around these these kids getting money uh when, when they get to school for playing athletics um yeah you gotta let it go if you don't you're gonna return to the daryl hazel days and um and you, you gotta you gotta get this up and running and thank goodness purdue has a guy like jeff mckean and his and his uh, and his group to to get this formed I asked Jeff too, you know, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel, right? Right. Did he look, did he look at any other existing collectives that had been established within the last year? And he says, yeah, they have. The Ohio State had a couple that really impressed him. One was called the Cohesion Foundation. Another was just called the Foundation. <clears throat> he said Clemson had a had a collective that they, they liked called Tiger Impact. And Alan, he even thought what Indiana's doing is good, as much as that may make listeners of the podcast want to punch their screen but 
the Hoosiers for Good, which is also set up like a charity. Um, so again, um, you you, you want to steal good ideas when you see them implemented by other people, right? There's no there's no great revelation in that. So then again, these are smart guys. They're a heck of a lot smarter than me, Alan. And um, you got to trust they're going to get this right. And you, you talked for a minute there about competing donation dollars. You know, you got your John Purdue Club, long-established John Purdue Club. We all know what its marching orders are. <clears throat> Among them, funding scholarships and, of course, facilities. And now we've got this collective, right, the Boilermaker Alliance, this new entity that's going to have to have money fueled into it every year um, to help, you know, a, a, reward students when they're on campus alan when these guys kid here the top players are going to want something yeah i mean let's not kid ourselves and some of this has been going on for years anyway i'm not saying at purdue but across the nation uh, and you, you got to be able to take care of these guys um would rondell moore stay at purdue if there was no collective if there was one in place during his playing days how about george Karloffis? how about david bell I guess my point is you know you can get all the, the three-star talent you want. And you can still get a lot of good players who are three-star players. But again, man, you, everybody watching this knows sports. You got to have a few difference makers. <clears throat> and to keep difference makers happy, you, you got to do, you know, you, you got to keep them happy. And I'm just going to say that. You got to keep difference makers happy. Difference yeah. makers win football games for you. Difference makers win basketball games for you. Every team, you can look at the depth chart and circle two or three guys. See, these are the guys that, that can beat us. You got to be able to get those guys to keep them on campus. And um, it's going to just get more and more competitive. The Big Ten, we haven't talked about expansion yet. It's going to get tougher and tougher. You know, if you want to compete and stay relevant at every level of the sport, Alan, from your kids running youth sports all the way to the pro sports, man, the guys with the best players usually win the ball games. And uh, having a good, strong collective is going to help you maintain a, a talented roster. I thought one thing in my one conversation I had with Jeff that uh, uh, earlier on was the fact that he said, you know, Purdue fans, he said 75 percent of them initially and some people on our message boards would say could had a, struggled with embracing this notion. He said, but that he, he believes this number, that number is changing. And once you kind of flush it out, look at it, the landscape, the way it is, look at it with respect to reality. You, you you can put your arms around it. and I, and I think it's kind of been your your message as well we're, we're not going back that that part is it. but how we deal with this and how this all works and how they you know I know one thing that Jeff talked about also was trying to get you know if we want to take care of all programs can we do that I don't know and and that's going to be an interesting storyline to watch and it's not all going to be decided uh, by August 1st. We know that it's going to be a work in progress. I think the way they say, talk about hiring four full-time people as part yeah, of it as well. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I mean, it's going to take uh, some administrative effort. Jeff McKean's day job as an attorney. He has his own law firm, firm in mm -hmm. Indianapolis. Uh, let's I know, I know for a fact it's, it's taken a lot of his time initially. It's a labor of love. But we, as we all know about labors of love, you want to be able to have a good, a good ending at the end if you can do it. And uh, that's going to be an interesting challenge. Yeah, he told me this is something you can't work off the side of your desk. Yeah. Uh, you need to have a, a staff dedicated to this. And yeah, I think that was a number he, he gave me, Alan, was as many as four. Maybe not, not four, but as many yeah. as four here. And um, I do believe, Alan... Purdue has hired their director of NIL engagement. Yes. Um, not sure who that person is, but I'm pretty sure that person has been hired. 
And um, of course, that's a position that was created this summer or maybe late, late spring in concert with that, that organization called the Aspire Group that works with Purdue on a couple of different levels. So that, that person will actually be an Aspire employee. Um, but I, I don't get too deep in the woods on that. So again, Purdue also has in place, Alan, of course, the Boilermaker Marketplace, which is run by the university. It's a website anybody can go to. It's a place mm -hmm. where businesses can connect with student athletes. They want to approach them about an NIL opportunity. So that's another NIL, I guess, mechanism uh, for, for Purdue student athletes to be able to take advantage of as well. And who knows, Al, maybe there'll be some more coming up. I saw recently where the Iowa football players established. The yeah. uh, I think they're going to take 2,000 people at about $200 a year, and they've got a whole it's kind of like a fan club, a laundry list of things you can do to actually interact with the players. Pretty cool idea. Pretty simple, I think, that they're going to, they're going to spread among their, their teammates. So, again, maybe we're just scratching the surface. I mean, um, I was told early on maybe one day Allen is going to be a collective for every sport. There'll be a football collective just dedicated to football, one dedicated to basketball, and whatever other sport may be on your campus really, really merit having their own. So it's going to be interesting to see how all this develops over time. Yeah, no question. And you look at the look at all the folks that, that it takes to even run recruiting and uh, just the, the regular recruiting side of things. Uh, all this, uh, you're going to have another layer of uh, complexity, but uh, necessity when you talk about NIL. OK, now, I don't, you know, we're going to pivot to the, the next topic. And you're always you're, you talk to a lot of guys talked about how on the site this week about how the some Big Ten coaches were. Uh, blindsided, or we all were shocked, I guess, when we uh, started recording last week's pod or Saturday simulcast about USC and UCLA. And then you followed up with some of those guys. Surprising news, but uh, give me your crystal ball. And, and this is an impossible question to answer, but where do we sit two weeks from now? Do you think this, do you think more is going to pop? Uh, uh, you know, we know that these agreements aren't going to start, at least with the US, USC and UCLA, the 2024 season. Mm -hmm. But uh, when is, uh, is this still this is as active as, as it appears to be on social media? I don't think so, Alan. I think we're done for now. Um, I think we're finished. Um, stories to be continued. I think... Uh, one of the first things that really has to be settled, I think, is what is the playoff going to look like moving forward? And that's probably not going to be decided, I think, till 2026 when that's this current four-team configuration expires. So I think you have to get an idea what, what, what the future of your sport looks like from a playoff standpoint before you're may, maybe really making some other radical changes. But I, I think having said that, Alan, the one move that could take place in the next year or two that could accelerate and kick off a whole nother round of movement is Notre Dame. Yeah. And that, that's the one domino that everybody's sort of waiting on. They're all looking at Notre Dame. Nobody's going to make a move. I don't think until Notre Dame makes a decision. If Notre Dame Allen joins the big 10, I think that could trigger uh, uh, just a massive cataclysmic sort of an event that we see um, maybe, maybe totally in the, the, the PAC 12 as we know it. Um, you, you you probably read a lot of the same scenarios I have. If if they get the if Notre Dame goes to Big Ten, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if then you see maybe I could see the Big Ten taking Stanford for a lot of different reasons. 
and then uh, Oregon, maybe. No, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think Oregon or Washington. And I think you'd see the Pac-12, the Pac-12 probably go away. I think you'd see the Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State go to the Big 12 and um, possibly Oregon and Washington, too, I think. Uh, I think you see all those teams go to the Big 12. Washington State, Oregon State, schools that out El Cal may have to go to the Mountain West with Wyoming and Colorado State and Nevada and schools like that. Um, I don't think the Big Ten wants Oregon and Washington, Allen. From everything you read, everything you hear, they just don't move the needle enough financially. Yeah, they're, they're a big – Oregon's a big popular brand. We get it. We all know about Phil Knight, but – there's the, 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 the TV footprint up there is not that big in Oregon. It's bigger in Seattle, but I still don't think either of those schools is really worth, the juice isn't worth the squeeze to add them. They're not going to make the pot big enough to justify bringing them in. Um, again, if they can somehow, you know, the ACC, Allen, they've got that grant rights that goes through 2036, which is very prohibitive. Any schools can get out of that from under that. Who knows? But let's say they can, Allen. I think then if I'm the Big Ten, I would look at trying to get North Carolina and Virginia. I think if the Big Ten could get North Carolina, Virginia, Stanford, and Notre Dame, that gets you to 20 schools, 20 great academic schools too, Allen. And, and I think that matters for the Big Ten. And some brands in Notre Dame and North Carolina in particular that are monster brands as well, and Stanford, Al, I think the Big Ten presidents would get off having Stanford, being able to brag that they got Stanford in the Big Ten. I think Notre Dame would like to have Stanford in the Big Ten, too. It's a team they play a lot. Right. You know, mine's on a lot of different fronts. Well, again, Stanford's a small school, small private school. It's not going to move the needle a lot of ways, TV. But I just think the, 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 the pride and the ego burst the Big Ten would get by having Stanford as part of its conference would be huge. Virginia? Another great institution. North Carolina is a great academic institution, too. Notre Dame is Notre Dame. I think that SEC would just be crestfallen if, if the Big Ten gets Notre Dame. So, again, for now, Alan, I don't think anything's going to happen big time-wise at all. There's talk of maybe a little TV agreement between the ACC and the Pac-12. That's, yeah. that's just a TV agreement. It involves no conference mergers or anything like that. That's, that's the hottest thing going right now. But again, I don't anticipate seeing any other changes for maybe a year or two uh, at, at the earliest. I could be wrong, but that's sort of the read I get. Well, it's funny because you, you've got enough Twitter followers that if you would just uh, tweet something, because there's I, obviously there was something, something on Friday morning about, and I'd even look at the source about Carolina and Virginia going to the SEC. And Again, uh, all these things uh, may not be worth the, the uh, digital paper that they're, yeah, that again, they're not printed on. They got, yeah. they, got, they got that grant and rights till 2036 with ESPN. ESPN, it's a sweetheart deal for ESPN. They're not going to let anybody get it out, get out from under that. So, again, I, I know there's lawyers in the world for a reason. I know if you write <laughs> a big enough check, you can get anything you want typically in life. So, that there's always a possibility, but that's the big hurdle there with the ACC, Alan. 2036. Yeah, a long yeah. way. That my, my son's gonna be 36 years old. I'll be, I'll be dead, Alan. No, I mean, you won't be. You're gonna be thriving by then. Can they get out from underneath that? I mean, it's crazy. 2036. And uh maybe they can because you know, I'm sure Clemson, Florida State, and Miami would love to go to the SEC. And uh again, if something like that happens, the ACC is gone, right? And then you're looking at yeah. schools like Pitt, Syracuse, NC State, Wake Forest, and Duke. 
Are they they've been Conference USA schools? I don't know. But again, um, the ACC and that grant rights through 2036 is a huge hurdle. The Pac-12 is more nimble because their contract is, is up in a couple of years. And uh, the Big 12 is up too. So it's going to be fascinating to see all these chess pieces get sorted out. I just hope it doesn't change before uh, before Saturday morning. <laughs> I don't day. think it, it, it's it's not going to. Right. Yeah, well, one thing it also I'm, I'm anticipating. Yeah, well, yeah. One thing that's interesting also is that in Washington and Oregon, the state legislators they they forced by law. Now, whether that can change, and again, I think anything can change. But you know, Washington, Washington State's supposed to be in the same conference. Oregon, Oregon State are supposed to be. Who knows? Yeah. In other words, that would prohibit, prohibit them from jumping. I, I don't see it. I, I just, I, I can't believe Washington, Oregon, let themselves go down to, to irrelevance just to say tether to their two lesser brothers. We've yeah. seen. I, I remember. I remember they, they were making the same pronouncements in, in Oklahoma a few years ago with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yep. You know, now we've seen Oklahoma divorce itself from Oklahoma State. Washington. God love. I love Washington State. I really love Oregon State. But those schools are probably Mountain West schools, Al, and they probably should be playing Colorado State in Wyoming, in Boise State, and those type of schools. Again, Washington, Oregon, they, they can't let themselves be held back by some state legislator who thinks they need to be tethered together and be in the same league. It's, 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 it's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what uh, shakes out. All right, one other news. There is actual Purdue football news. Obviously, a lot of recruiting still uh, uh, yeah. going on. But Neil Calloway also, the return yeah. to uh, – to Chotilla, to Jeff Brom's staff. Uh, I am back in back in 2007. But uh, tell us a little bit about the, yeah. just your your gut feeling about that and his return and what he means and what he meant uh, when he was here before. Yeah, Jeff Brom's got those two analyst spots, Alan, offensive analyst and offensive analyst. He, he he wants to make sure they're worthwhile. He hires worthwhile people. These positions you're limited on what you can do from an on-the-field coaching standpoint, <clears throat> right? you can still have a great impact. And Neil Calloway, if people remember, first came to Purdue in 2020 in a similar role, off-the-field role. Then last year, he was made an on-field assistant offensive line coach. <clears throat> and then he retired after last season. And then he subsequently took a job in the USFL, coaching the Michigan Panthers offensive line. And I'm told... That was a marriage of convenience. And Neil lives in Birmingham, Alabama, and that's where all the USFO games are played this year in Birmingham, Alabama. So it was easy for him to do it. And now for Jeff Brom to get him back in, in, in an analyst role, I think is good. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. He can help with the offensive line. I know Jeff Brom likes having you know as much help with that offensive line as he can. He really liked having Neil last year full time. He loved yeah, no doubt. line coaches. So it's a good hire. Um, I think before Alan Neal was still going to be like a like a consultant, if you will. But now this is obviously more of a of a full time position and expect Purdue to hire, of course, a defensive analyst. That's probably going to happen in the next week or two and help really fill out that staff. Um, of course, Big Ten media day. What I want to say, let me get my calendar out real quick. Uh, a couple of weeks away, uh, July, uh, yeah. July 27th is Purdue's day. That's a Wednesday. The first day of Big Ten Media Days is 26. It's a two-day event. Seven schools each day and Purdue's on the 27th. So that's coming up too. Training camp supposed to start August 2nd. First game is September 1st. Now from a recruiting standpoint, 
boy, it's been a flurry, hasn't it? Um, yeah. 18 commits, some good commitments, Alan. There's two guys still out there. Kendrick Gilbert, defensive tackle, Cathedral High School, four-star commit. Came out this top four recently. Purdue's in it. Um, but I'm told Kentucky's probably the leader. So that, that's who Purdue's trying to beat. We could see a decision made soon by Kendrick Gilbert. Purdue's in this, Allen. He'd be a great pickup to a group of defensive linemen that's already very impressive. Mark Hagan's done a great job. So, again, Kentucky's probably the leader. Purdue has a chance. Expect a commitment soon from, from Kendrick Gilbert. And the other one's Cole Dellinger, an offensive lineman from, from Michigan who Purdue's had on a, on a visit. Um, I think he's a lot more of a long shot, Allen. Uh, he's probably going to go to Michigan State, I'm told. So those are the two guys that fans should should sort of keep on their radar that really Purdue has offers out to that have visited that they could conceivably get. Uh, maybe I think Purdue's probably going to be in a holding pattern here. And to get into the season, I'm sure there's some guys visiting. You want to keep wiggle room to add transfers. And I'll say this too, Alan, I think in the next, well, before the month is over, I think you could see a little bit more attrition from the Purdue roster and uh, just keep that on your radar Do Nothing significant, I think, um, but maybe, maybe you may see one or two guys lead the team as well. So as you know, you got a roster that big, that many moving parts. There's always stuff, stuff happening, guys coming and going, right? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, that is the name of the game is uh, uh, change is the new constant. We say it every week and it is the reality of it all. All right, we will put an end to this Saturday simulcast and uh, we'll look forward to talking more as we get closer to the start of the season. We'll be really actually looking forward to talking about watching guys throw footballs and catch them and tackle. That would be a good thing as yeah. well. Camp begins August 2nd, as you mentioned, I believe as well. And uh, of course, Purdue will, uh, Purdue will be opening against Penn state September 1st and the Nittany Lions come to Ross eight stadium as well. So Tom have a great rest of your weekend. Thank the union club hotel. Uh, for its sponsorship and uh, 811 Bistro, Boiler Up Bar, uh, all the places you can visit uh, when you're down on campus. So we appreciate them as well. So have a great weekend and we'll look forward to seeing and talking more in our next uh, Saturday simulcast uh, for next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.